0: This is Pastor Jerry Roberts once again coming into your living room or into your car, depending on how you're listening to this. Maybe you're watching it uh, on your phone or iPad or computer or Vimeo, Roku, all the different ways that we're uh, putting this out. And so anyway, we just want to tell you again, we love you and and so grateful that you're connecting with us today. Uh, Again, we're standing in an empty room uh, due to uh, everything that has uh, been requested of all of us. And uh, uh, we're not even sure really what's going to happen. We, we have heard that uh, this might be extended out another month, so uh, we hope not. But at the same hand, we're, we're just kind of rolling along with it. And uh, as we find out about it, we'll let you know about it. So anyway, once again, we're thankful that you're, you're with us. Uh, we're, uh, again, here to uh, you know, come at you with the Word of God and uh, do what we know in our heart we need to do. And so with that said, we call you blessed. Blessed. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, praise the Lord. Here we are in another midweek service, and uh, we're going to go ahead and turn to our uh, uh, verse that we've been using over the last several weeks, or at least pretty much most of this year, uh, out of 1 Corinthians chapter 10, and verse 11, and it says this, Now all these things happened to them, talking about the patriarchs of faith, or the children of Israel, actually in context, uh, all these things happened to them as examples and they were written for our admonition or our instruction or teaching, all right? Uh, goes on, upon whom the ends of the ages have come. Now, what we've been doing uh, in our midweek services has been uh, uh, ministering on our patriarchs of faith, uh, taking different uh, uh, men or women of God and, and uh, just looking at different parts of their life, things that we can glean from, uh, using their life as an example to us, as something we can, we can take heed to, things that are good, some even things that were not so good. Uh, and this particular text here in 1 Corinthians is talking about they were doing things that, they, that we shouldn't be doing. So, in other words, we learned the good, the bad, and the ugly. So, uh, what we've done, uh, we started with the life of Dan, uh, David, we spent uh, quite a few weeks on that and looked at different things of David's life. And then we took some several weeks, I don't know, four or five weeks, we, we uh, worked with uh, Abraham's life. And what we started last week is talking about some things about Daniel's life. And so uh, let's go again back to Daniel, chapter 6, please. And uh, what we'll do is read verse 3. Daniel six, verse three says, "Then this Daniel, okay, distinguished himself above the governors and satraps." Okay, in other words, uh, it means to stand out or outstanding. So he, David, stood above the rest. Okay, he was different. He was distinguished. All right, above everybody else, and it said because an excellent spirit was in him. And of course, last week that's what we focused on, that this Daniel had an excellent spirit within him. Amen. A ten times better spirit we talked about last week. An excellent spirit was in him, and the king gave thought to setting him over the whole realm, all right, over everybody, all right? So the governors and satraps sought to find some charge against Daniel, uh, mainly because they're just jealous, Uh, you know, they're, uh, you know, this, uh, in a sense, this man that was taken into captivity from, from Israel, here he is now rising up in the ranks because of this excellent spirit he had. And so uh, that's the thing about excellence. It'll get you promoted. Well, not everybody necessarily agrees. You know, not everybody likes that, especially the ones you're being promoted over, all right? But uh, that's what's happening here. So everybody else is a little bit jealous and upset about it. And it says that he was, uh, it said, but they could find no charge or fault against him because he was faithful, nor was there any error or fault found in him, all right. Now, this is really, um, this really is the the verse I might kind of spin off of today. Uh, last week, of course, we spent probably a little more time with verse three, talking about the excellent spirit. Today, though, I want want you to look at here. It talks about they could find no charge or fault against this Daniel. Right? It says he was faithful. Uh, there was no error or fault found in him, and uh, just uh, you know. Uh, you know, looking at different translations, um, this here is talking about, uh, some translations say it this way, uh, he had no occasion or fault, okay? no scan, uh, scandal or skeleton, talking about like what we would say, skeletons in the closet, so to speak. Uh, no evidence of negligence or misconduct was another way it was said. Uh, another way, uh, nothing to criticize or condemn, no cause for complaint. All right, these are different ways that, that words that here, no, uh, no charge or nor fault, okay? Uh, the word faithful here, uh, talking about loyalty. In other words, he was loyal. It also, uh, uh, some of the other translations say words like uh, totally uh, exemplary and completely trustworthy, okay? Also, one translation said this way, always responsible. So what we're seeing is a man that lived a life that had no... Uh, Nobody could find any fault in him. And I think that's one of the cool things about Daniel. Daniel actually is one of the few of our patriarchs of faith that really when you study his life, you really don't find flaws in him. Uh, There really ain't. Some of the other patriarchs, or at least most of the other patriarchs, you can find some good, you can find some bad things they did right, things they didn't do right. But Daniel, man, that guy, he just lived it right, lived clean. And uh, so today, I'm going to talk about that because the reason that Daniel lived the way he did, a no-compromise life, is because the boy had conviction, all right, had conviction, all right, and the word conviction is defined as uh, being convinced of something or persuaded in mind, it refers to a belief or a faith in something and holding to it. it. speaks of a perspective or a view, all right, in other words, you're your perspective, your view of something, all right, uh, would be a lot of times referred to as your uh, your conviction about something. It means to be assured of something, all right? So this Daniel had conviction. All right. Let's let's read on here a little bit. Okay, so now, remember now you got some men that are all upset with him. It says, now these men said that we shall, uh, we shall not find any charge against this. Daniel. In other words, we can't find anything bad. A guy ain't doing anything wrong. Uh, and he said, unless we can find it against him concerning the law of his God. In other words, something maybe, you know, he lives a certain way, and if somehow or another we can take what he does every day, because we know he's going to do it every day, because he's consistent with it every day, and if we can, we can find something in that, uh, then, I get, then, then we can hang him with it. All right. That's what they're trying to do here. All right, so the governors and satraps thronged before the king and said thus to him, King Darius, live forever. Of course, they're just manipulating now. All the governors of the kingdom and administrators and satraps and counselors and advisors have consulted together to establish a royal statute, okay, a law, all right, and to make a firm decree that whoever petitions any god or man for 30 days except you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions. And now, of course, O king, establish the decree or, uh, establish the decree, and sign the writing so that it cannot be changed according to the law of the Medes and Persians, which does not alter. Therefore, the king signed it. Now, of course, if the king understood what they were doing, if he understood the manipulation behind it, and, of course, in the end, keep this in mind, their manipulation uh, is what got them killed. All right, so just keep that in mind. So they're trying to hang Daniel uh, based on the law of his own God. In other words, how he uh, lives with conviction, uh, his uh, no-compromise walk. Of course, in this context, uh, you know, uh, what they're going to hang him with is the fact that this, uh, this Daniel every day sought God multiple times. Every day prayed to God, uh, petitioned God. Uh, uh, had an intimacy, a relationship with God, communicated with God, got insight and answers from this God. In fact, that's one of the things, uh, reasons why he got uh, promoted uh, so many times too, is because he always had the answer. He went to God, got the word of the Lord, brought it back, and you know, and it, it, uh, you know, it was the answer. It was the solution. It was uh, the breakthrough they needed. All right. So they know that the only way they can hang this guy is to get him on the good that he does every day. In this case, his relationship with God, his prayer life. Verse 10 says, now when Daniel knew that the writing was signed. Now, he, he, wasn't, he wasn't ignorant. He knew it was, it, was, it was signed. He knew that this decree was made, but that didn't change him. See, there's a no And There's some conviction here about this. All right. He went home. And in his upper room, up in, you know, up wherever he prayed, uh, he uh, with the windows open. I love this. All right, that just says something about Daniel. With the windows open toward Jerusalem, he knelt down on his knees three times that day and prayed and gave thanks before his God, as was here we go, as was his custom since early days, since he was young. All right, this was his conviction. Uh, I think at the Old King James says, uh, as he did a four time. In other words, this is. Every day he lived this. Well, see, they knew that. They knew that's what he did. So that's the only way we can hang him is by somehow using that against him, all right? And that's what they did. And, of course, we know the story, or at least most do. Uh, I'm not going to go into the whole story. Uh, But, of course, uh, he uh, gets, you know, ratted on. So what they do is because of the decree, uh, he ends up getting thrown into the uh, den of lions. And, of course... uh, uh, a miracle happens. God shuts the mouth of the lions. Amen. And Daniel, of course, uh, comes out uh, untouched. Praise God. Uh, so, anyway, let's see here. Let's go uh, with that said. Let's go down. Uh, we will kind of go to the end of this. Let's go to like verse 21 of chapter 6. It says, Then Daniel said to the king, this is, of course, after the king come in the next morning to see if Daniel was okay. He said, O king, live forever. And he said, My God sent his angel and shut the the lion's mouth so that they have not hurt me because I was found, here we go, because I was found innocent before him. And also, O king, I have done no wrong before you. And he hadn't. He lived a good life. He lived right. He lived clean. He He had good character. All right. Now, the king was exceedingly glad for him and commanded that they should take Daniel up out of the den so Daniel was taken up out of the den, and no injury, here we go, no injury, uh, whatever, was found on him. Here we go, because he believed in his God. Amen. He had faith in his God. He, he trusted in his God. He was sure of his God, which is key for something we're going to talk about a little bit later here. Okay, with that said, now let's go back to Daniel 1 like we did last week. Except we'll read a couple different verses here. Daniel 1, and uh, this is early on. Now, remember, he's, uh, in the beginning, he was taken captive. Uh, you know, the Babylonians took, took uh, the Israelites captive, uh, and uh, out of the Israelites, they handpicked uh, some of the men. It uh, probably wasn't probably just men, but mostly men uh, picked that they were going to use for service. Uh, to help that, you know, in, in their service. And, of course, they had some key guys that they grabbed to use also to work within the government to help uh, you know, do whatever they had need of. And one of those guys was Daniel. The other ones that were uh, also picked were uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Of course, that's what their names were, were uh, uh, called later on. Okay? And that's usually how we always refer to them. So we have Daniel you have Shadrach, Meshach, and you have an Abednego, okay? So these four men. And in verse 8, uh, they're, uh, they're, they're basically saying that we're going to set these men aside. They're going um, to you know, get all the pleasures of, 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 uh, that's offered by the king because we're going to make these great men even greater. And Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself, verse 8, that he would not defile himself, desecrate, pollute himself with the portion of the king's delicacies, nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore he requested requested of the chief of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. But I love this. He says, Daniel purposed in his heart. Literally means he determined, he was steadfast in something. In other words, he had a determined conviction about what he would do or would not do. And we're talking about here now a man that was taken captive. He's a slave. And yet he purposed in himself that he was going to live a certain way. He would not defile himself before his God. And, of course, uh, the story goes on. Uh, Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, all four of these men, Followed according to that, obviously the uh, the eunuch, the uh, the the uh, what do you call him? The um, chief of the eunuchs agreed to go ahead and do that, and they after the whole whatever length of time it was, they found these men to all be ten times better, and that's kind of where we got that phrase last week. All right, because they chose to do the right thing. All right, and as a result of it, here they are now ten times better, and of course the story goes on how they were promoted. Uh, you know, as a result of it. Now, uh, he purposed, this is a key word, he purposed in his heart. All right? Now, we're talking today about conviction. Well, you know, there is no conviction really without being purposed about it. Uh, because if you're up and down, then it's not really conviction. I mean, if you can't hold to something, then there really is no conviction there. And, uh, um, you know, uh, not everybody. Operates on the same level of conviction. I believe that uh, we all have some form of conviction about things. Uh, we might have, uh, you know, conviction about this and not about that. We might have a higher level of conviction in this area than we do in this area. Uh, we might have maybe more conviction in this than somebody else might have in that. And we, we see that all the time. Um, and, uh, uh, but what we're talking about is a quality. That Daniel had, okay, that we can glean from, what this man had, was a determined conviction that he was going to live for God. He every day, he was uh, he he continually um, prayed, he sought God, he obviously guarded even what he what he ate, he guarded how he conducted himself. Um, he didn't get caught up with all the, the, the stuff that all the other leaders were getting caught up with. He didn't. Uh, he didn't, He wasn't um, being led by what everybody else was saying. He was convict. Uh, maybe I'll just say it this way. He was conviction led, not opinion led, or not situation led. Okay. Now let me kind of maybe define that real quick. Um, when I'm referring to conviction led. Uh, we're talking about somebody that's led by what they know is in the Word, or they know by the Spirit of God how they need to conduct themselves, or uh, uh, led by, uh, you, know, just, you know, just being God-led, okay? They do, they're letting God lead them on the inside, amen, and they're following just because they have this conviction in God to do it's right. And when you're talking about opinion, uh, a lot of times people... Uh, based on their feelings, based on their emotions, I might even say maybe it 's flesh led okay Some people uh, won't hold to a conviction about something because at the moment their emotions are getting the best of them. their feelings are getting the best of them. So what happens is they may say they believe this, but they 're not living this because at the moment their flesh their feelings, their emotions are getting the best of them. So what, what we're talking about there then is not being led by a conviction. But I'm talking about something that people hold true, that no matter what's going on around them. Um, I talk about a situation led, how things look. Some people back up on their walk in God because of, of how something's going on at home. Something's happening at work. Maybe have... Uh, physical problems, or financial problems, or attacking their marriage, or attacking their family, or something, and because of those kind of situations, they they waver on what they say they believe in. Okay, so that's not being led by conviction. That's being led by a situation. Okay, that's being led by your emotions. That being led by your opinions, even at times. Okay, so. That's what I'm I'm, I'm kind of defining this. I'm trying to do my best here today to give you an understanding from both sides of this thing what we're talking about when we're talking about this man named Daniel who lived with conviction and what that meant. He knew, the word said he knew what was signed. He knew the decree. He knew what those men were even trying to do. He knew they had that done just because of him. He knew that. But it didn't stop him, didn't stop him in his his time with God, didn't stop him in his prayer life, didn't stop him from choosing to do the right thing. You know, he didn't even go to the king and whine about it. He could have said, king, you know, the only reason they're doing this is because of me. Man, they're all against me. He He could have got caught up in that mess, and he didn't. You know what he did? He went ahead and just lived life the way he always lived life. All right, And that's why those guys did that, because they knew he would. He obviously lived with conviction. Well, you know, he gets thrown in the den of lions, and, you know, at the end, he he knows that God, uh, you know, he trusted, he believed in God. Even when he was thrown in there, he knew his God would protect him. It was the same thing with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They lived the same conviction. If you don't bow to this idol... You're getting thrown into the fiery furnace. All right? They said, whether you throw us in there or whether you don't throw us in there is irrelevant. We are not bowing to some, uh, you know, some object made of, you know, some soft metal called gold. We ain't bowing down to anything other than our God. That's who we bow down to. Well, they all knew that was going to happen. So who knows? So there you go, right? So now they're going to throw them in the fiery furnace. But God protected them because they stood. Amen. They walked with conviction, and they believed in God. They even said, you throw us in there, our God will protect us. If you don't throw us in there, you just know this. Whether you throw us in or don't, we ain't bowing to your idol. And that, I mean, God proved himself. So we see that in all four of these men that when they stood with conviction and believed in God, which again is there going to be a key coming up here, they believed in God, amen, that God had their back, and of course God did, amen. All right, hallelujah. So with that said, hallelujah, I want to say some things about um, this, uh, you know, Daniel, it said that he continued, uh, let's see if I can find that word again. It said that he continued, okay, as his custom was, was a, another word It said, as his custom, as he continued in this, as his custom was, all right? All right. Now, when it comes time to, conv- you know, conviction, when, especially when we're talking about um, the things of God, the Word of God, time spent in prayer, we're talking about, uh, you know, uh, you know coming to the house of God. Of course, that's a tough one to say, you know, when we got everything going on, uh, you know, this last month here. But all this is all important because if, if, if you don't stick with it, you don't stay with it, then our, we, we don't maintain a, a determined conviction about something. It kind of a, it's kind of a cycle. The more you continue with it, uh, you know, it's like, it's like discipline turns into desire, turns into delight, and then turns into this determined conviction. You know, I think about a prayer life. You know, even in my own life, how it started for me was I just knew in my heart, you know, you need to, you know, every day seek God. And for me, it worked better to do it in the mornings. Okay, it's, I'm, I'm by myself. I can get up. I can uh, do it early. And I, I did it. And, you know, you, just out of discipline. It's how it started. Pretty soon the, 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 the desire began to build for it every day. And then pretty soon it turned into light because of all the benefits that came as a result of it. God's showing me things, revealing things. Uh, giving me revelation and insight about some things, giving me answers and, uh, you know, concerning some questions that were going on, some things that were happening. Uh, and then all of a sudden, it became part of conviction. It doesn't matter where I go, what I do. Every morning, I've got to have that time with God. Uh, it's, my, it's part of conviction. It's my conviction. I feel like if I don't do that, all right, then I miss out, okay, whatever. But it's, it's, it's part of that conviction all right, in my life. Uh, You might have the same conviction about prayer life or about your time in a Word or whatever it is, amen. But uh, the idea is to stay with it. Uh, When I I think about uh, maybe time in in the Spirit of God, maybe I'll just use that one as an example. Um, You know, I think about just continuing with it. Part of the benefit that comes out of that is presence, for instance. And when presence is manifesting, all the benefits that come out of that begin to manifest. Also, grace. You know, I've many times taught on grace, you know, that divine influence upon the heart and its reflection in your life, all right? Uh, You know, when you spend time with Him, you're influenced. You're empowered. Now, it's reflected in your life. And I think about what Daniel, you know, every day, the Word says there, three times a day, he would kneel down Facing toward Jerusalem and begin to pray to his God, to Jehovah God, every day he do that. Well, he's being empowered. He's he's uh, you know tapping presence. So all the benefits of those begin to manifest, and then we see it in his life, because he could have said, "Okay, I guess you know, I guess for this next thirty days, you know, I I'm not going to pray. Uh, they won't let me pray, so he's not going to pray." Well, what would have happened? Well. Uh, you know, we might have had some issues. Maybe some of the things that, that God did for Daniel that uh, that protected him and that kingdom, that protected his life, that, that maybe advanced him, maybe none of that would have manifested. I, you know, we don't know. But all I know is the boy showed conviction, a no-compromise uh, life, amen, a life of conviction. So what I want to do here today, let's go now to the Gospel of John. So we're going to kind of take a look at this thing of conviction, all right? And actually, we're going to kind of take a look at at more than that, but we're going to uh, really, in a sense, uh, talk about what it means to walk with conviction, all right? And I'm going to go to John 16. John 16. And I'm going to go... um, Verse 7, and this is Jesus talking. He said, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. It is expedient for you. It's profitable for you. It's better for you that I go away. Now you think, man, what? Well, that's, ooh. I mean, nobody, you know, you you got him right there with you, and he's saying, listen, it's better for me that I'm not here. All right? And he said, why? He said, for if I do not go away, The helper will not come to you, but if I depart, I will send him to you. Now, we know the helper is referring to the Holy Spirit, the helper, the standby, the comforter, the strengthener, all right? Okay, so uh, this is who he's talking about. He says, it's better for me to go so I can send you the helper, all right? And when he comes, or when he has come, of course, got this time see, it hadn't happened, like he said, because he's still here and he hadn't. He not there wasn't the, uh, you know, the death, the burial, the resurrection, the ascension, okay? That hadn't happened yet. So he's saying when this does happen, all right? It says here, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment, okay? He will convict the world of sin. Three things it mentions here of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment, okay? Convict, okay? To convince again, okay? It's, really, it's just, you know, bringing. Uh, you know, bring in a sense of being convinced or reprove or rebuke, okay? But it's talking about to bring conviction. So in order to bring conviction, there needs to be time when you're going to have to be, uh, you know, you're going to have to be convinced, okay? And it also means, this word convinced, convince, pardon me, means to tell a fault or to confute, all right? Which is a key word because it means to call into, into question, call into question. Okay, because that's what the Spirit of God does every day. Okay, these, these things here are always working in us. He's calling into question things. Okay, now listen, of sin, he says, uh, convict the world of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment. Now I thought maybe I better do this too. Maybe I better define the word world here. It's where we get our word uh, cosmos. Okay, is the Greek word here, uh, which means orderly. It just its first definition is orderly arrangement. So talking about. Uh, the function of of everything from the planet, the universe, all that kind of stuff, but it also uh, refers to um, the. It says actually includes its inhabitants. So it's talking about all the people, even. But in uh, you know, usually when the world's being uh, being used in context, it's talking about a system of things, how things operate, how things work, um, all the uh, you know the way of doing okay of the world okay. And so usually it might be talking about anybody other than the church or, or you or me as, as part of the body of Christ. But in this context, it's talking about just how everything operates, okay? So how the world operates, all right? I will convict the world of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment. Now, the next few verses, it brings each one of those three out. And he says verse 9, of sin, in other words, he's going to convict the world of sin, because they do not believe in me. He's going to convict the world of sin. It says here in verse 9, because they do not believe in me. Now, let me, let me give you some definition. Uh, James 4, uh, and I believe verse 17, uh, brings out that sin is how the Bible defines it. Sin is to know to do good, and not to do it. Okay, 1 John chapter 3, and I believe it's verse 4, says that, that sin is, is or actually lawlessness is sin, and sin is lawlessness, which the bottom line says the same thing that James does. It's just say, saying this, that you know when you're walking in sin, you know it. You already know you're crossing the line. So sin isn't necessarily just making a mistake, okay? It, it, it just means that you know you're doing something you probably shouldn't be doing. That's what it means, okay? So it's convicting the world. It's it, Of sin, because they do not believe in me. Now, uh, we know that the world, those the lost of the world, uh, aren't aren't believing in Him. In fact, let me let me say this: Uh, There's one sin that sends a person to hell. Really, there's only one sin, and that's not believing in Him. Somebody said, "Well, no, it's it's all that drinking, smoking, uh, chewing, doping." Uh, you know, sleeping around. It's all that stuff. That's what thats what sends people to hell. No, no, what sends people to hell is not believing in their Lord and, Lord and Savior, not believing in the one who died for them. That's what sends them to hell, okay? So uh, now keep that in mind. Now, Paul brings out in Romans 14 that whatever is not of faith is sin. Whatever is not of faith is sin, okay? Now let me, let me real quick. Okay, say this to you, the same sin that'll send somebody to hell is the same sin that you and me will commit that'll keep us living like we're still in hell or living like hell, okay? Now, a little spin on words there, but the bottom line, here's, here's what it's referring to, okay? Because this conviction, this convicting of sin is working the Spirit of God's doing that all the time in all of us, working these things in us all the time, all right? So the Amplified brings this verse out about they do not believe in me. Uh, The Amplified adds to this. It says, they won't trust in, rely on, or adhere to me. So in other words, you're being convicted of sin because you won't trust in him, you won't rely on him, and you won't adhere to him. To me, it kind of just brings a kind of a, fresh look on it, because you think about this, any time that you're going to do, you know, sin, you're going to walk in sin as a believer, okay? In other words, you know what you should be doing, and you're not doing it, or you know what you shouldn't do, and you're doing it anyway, okay? And if you stop and you think about that, now think about that in the area of conviction. If you don't operate in conviction, then, all, you know, what happens is you're doing things you shouldn't do, and you know it and you're not doing the things that you know you should do, and, you know, it's just the way it is, okay? So he's the Spirit of God's there to help, okay? He's there to help bring a sense of conviction in our lives, amen, about stuff that we're doing, because when it really comes down to it, we're doing it because we're not really trusting in Him, we're not really relying on Him, or we're not really adhering to Him. That's the only reason we'll do it. So, the spirit of god's there to help. All right, now hang on because we're going to give we're going to give another side of this here in a few minutes. But the spirit of god's there to help It's to your advantage. That when you get that that leading, that 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 prompting, that that nudge, so to speak of the holy ghost. Amen. You know, a lot of times uh, and I've I've shared this many times from this pulpit, you know, in my life, um, you know, especially when I you know, early on as I began to develop as a man of God and begin to, you know, uh, spend more time in the Word, more time in prayer. And, and uh, the Spirit of God, uh, you know, would begin to, those nudges would be there. You know, something would happen. Somebody do something. Uh, something was going on. Uh, the opportunity to, to do something other than what I should do was there. Uh, the same, same temptations would hit me that would hit anybody else. But the Spirit of God would give a nudge and say, what are you going to do about it? That's what he would do for me. He'd say, what are you going to do about it? And the, and the question to me wasn't because he didn't know. It's because he wanted to know if I knew what I needed to do. Well, what that was, see, is bringing a, a sense of conviction about what I was tempted to do or, or not do, depending on what it was. Amen. And all of a sudden, see, it would bring a conviction to me And I would know in my heart, okay, if I'm going to do what's right, if I'm going to trust in Him, adhere to Him, then I'm going to do what's right. So the Spirit of God's there to help. So that's a good thing, right? So if I, as a believer, then, continue to live outside of what I know I should live, you have to understand that you're going to get the results. Your results ain't going to be different than what the world gets. Those that are lost, okay, out there. Okay, so uh, you just have to understand that, okay? There's a way to live, and if you live that, there's benefit to that. There's an advantage to that, all right? So let's go on here. So he will convict the world of sin, right, because they do not believe in me, and he will convict the world of, here we go, of righteousness because it says here, I go to my Father and you see me no more. So in other words, it's kind of saying the same thing. Listen, I'm I'm going to the Father. Now the Spirit of God's coming to help you with something, okay? But He's going to bring not only conviction of sin, but of righteousness. So we better define that because we've done a lot of teaching over the years about righteousness. And this uh, word, it means rightness. All right. It also brings out equity of character and act or action, okay? So it's talking about Living, you know, having character, okay, Uh, an action that's right. So we, you think, well, maybe that's no different than sin. But no, it's talking kind of a little more than just you know crossing lines. Now it's about it's about your character. It's about kind of more internal now. It's it's kind of dealing with you know uh, just these uh, you know uh, these character issues uh, that a lot of times you know one of the problems that a lot of people have that they don't have no character. So, but if there's conviction there, if the Spirit of God's working something in people, then they're more apt to to live a life of right character, okay? How they respond, how they react, the the, the things that they do, uh, you know, uh, that maybe the normal person out there wouldn't do, or they not do what the normal person out there would always do, okay? But just because of some conviction, okay, they choose... Amen to do what's right. Okay? Living what's right. All right? So, anyway, that's, that's kind of what he's bringing out. Now, the word James 3 brings out uh, that talks about uh, bearing the fruits of righteousness. I think also in 2 Corinthians, I think in chapter uh, 9, I think it, does, it uses the same phrase, that the bearing the fruits of righteousness. Uh, Proverbs 11. Uh, I believe it's verse 18, talks about sowing righteousness, okay? So it's, it's talking about, you know, uh, something too that. See, there's going to be, it's going to be noticed. It isn't just something just inside. That, no, obviously, it bears, remember, it's of character and of action. So it does, see, whatever that, that character in here somehow is going to be seen out here. That's one of the things that Daniel had was character, good character. They knew he was so, he had such conviction about things, they knew how he'd respond. They knew that if they signed this decree, they knew he would still do, uh, you know, what, what he would always do because that was his character. That was, you know, that's who he was. They knew it. They, there was no denying it. They knew they were going to hang him on that. That's why they said, we can't hang him on faults. We can't hang him on, you know, any kind of hidden, uh, you know, thing that he's done We can't find any flaw in him, but we do know one thing. Every day, this boy prays. Every day, this boy seeks God. Every day, this man chooses to do what's right, regardless of what everybody else thinks. They knew that about him because he had character. He had conviction, all right? There was no question what he was going to do, no question what he was going to say. No question of what his response was going to be they knew it all right and that's what they tried to hang him on or actually they did all right but of course God protected him amen so you got to keep that in mind all right so you got to remember now let's let's go back to this whole thing again about the helper because I want this to be uh, known we're talking about conviction um, this is what this is the advantage that you have is the spirit of God the helper that's your advantage so you need to uh you know you know, let the helper help you, all right? Take advantage of your advantage, okay? When you we're talking about living this, the Spirit of God's there to help. It ain't about, you know, every day you get your little list out and you say, okay, I'm, I'm not going to do this, I'm not going to do that, I'm not going to do this, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this, I'm not going to be that, I'm not going to say that, I'm not going to act that. Uh, we're talking about you know, you, you've already, you know, got these things working. But the biggest uh, advantage you have is the Spirit of God working every day with you, helping you with this. And I just wanted to keep that in mind, okay? All right. Uh, of sin, of righteousness, and then the next one he says, of judgment. Okay, in verse 11, we go back down here in, in, in John 16 again. So verse 11 now says, okay, he's talking about being convicted, right? Or pardon me, he'll convict the world. Of sin, of righteousness, and here we go, and of judgment. Why? Because the ruler of this world is judged. Okay, so we gotta, We got to, again, do some more defining here. What does that mean? All right. Well, this word judge, uh, judgment, okay, the first word judgment, means, again, decision. Crisis is, is that word we used, we've used quite a bit uh, on our Sunday messages. Uh, it's used in a different context, but it's the same Greek word there. Okay, it means decision. Okay, it means uh, everything from uh, justice to accusation. Okay, now listen, it means decision or a judgment call. Now let me explain this. Let's 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 take a few minutes and define this. Okay, so John, chapter five is what I'm going to turn to real quick. John five. Now this is Jesus talking. All right. Now he said this, talking about himself. I can of myself do nothing. Now I just want to bring this. Maybe just take a second on that. Okay, if Jesus is saying, Of myself I can do nothing, do you for one second think of yourself you could do anything? See, the Spirit of God's there to help. Because if you're gonna do it in your own, then chances are you're gonna waver. You're gonna be up, you're gonna be down. Okay? All it's gonna take is a certain situation and you're gonna to cave to it. Somebody's gonna do something that's gonna hurt your feelings or or uh uh, you know gonna say call you names or some kind of thing, and the next thing you know you're uh you're backing up you're quitting okay because in your own strength you know i mean you're there's only so much that your own your own strength can do all right he said of I can't of myself do nothing but get this as I hear of course he's talking about being led by the spirit of God as I hear here we go i here we go judge okay I judge and my judgment. Okay, in other words, I, I make my judgment call based on what I hear. So the Spirit of God, the one that's hallelujah, the the helper is helping me make a judgment call on something. Alright? And my judgment is righteous or right because I do not seek my own will, but the will of the Father who sent me. So now you go back to this, he says that the Spirit of God in verse chapter sixteen again that the Spirit of God's there to convict the world of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged. Now, let me uh, let me give you another text, uh, 1 Corinthians, uh, chapter eleven, and I believe it's verse thirty-one. It says it says in there to judge yourself, lest you be judged. Now. All these words, judge, judgment, these are all different words. All different words in the Greek. Okay, so in 1 Corinthians, if you will judge yourself, you will not be judged. You shall not be judged. Okay, so it says the best thing to do is, is judge yourself. So what it means, the first word judgment in that verse, and that's, again, that's, that's uh, uh, 1 Corinthians 11, verse 31. So the first word judgment there means to stop, pause, and discern. Now, why are you doing that? Well, because the Spirit of God. That's why he says here in this verse uh, of judgment because, right? So he's talking about being convicted. He'll convict the world of judgment. In other words, to stop, he, he's going he's to start giving you the right decision here. He's going to help you in what you need to do. So if you stop, that's why he says, judge yourself, what you're doing, you're stopping, your pause. you're discerning, because within the Spirit of God, the Spirit of God will show you something. The Spirit of God will bring something to your attention. And if you do that, you will not be judged, which is the same word used at the end of this verse 11 that the, the, says here that the ruler of this world is judged or because the ruler of this world is judged. That word there means judicially judged. So the point he's trying to make is I'm trying to, the Spirit of God's trying to help you in your decision making. Amen. So you don't end up, you know, Getting hung later, because if you're going to live and and think as a Christian, no different than the world, and you're you're going to act like the world, you're going to have the character of the world. You're gonna you're gonna have, make your decisions and your uh, your your judgment calls based like the world does. I mean, there's a lot of things that go on every day that challenge you in where you are in your walk, that challenge you on. Uh, how you need to think about this or think about that, the world has a way that they they think, okay they make certain judgment calls based on how they think, but they don't have the helper see that that same thing is that same temptation is on you every day, but the helper. The one to give you the advantage is there to to help you, amen, in the area of conviction concerning the fact that I don't don't make my decisions like they make their decisions. That word judgment uh, in that uh, John 16, one of the the definitions of that word also is accusation. Accusation. And I think about this. Now just think about this for a second, okay? Okay. Somebody's done something, said something, reacted, responded, you know, did something they shouldn't have done or, or didn't do something they should have done, and the opportunity for you to make accusation. Remember, though, it's the enemy who's the accuser of the brethren. But see, if you don't watch it, see, we forget who we are, even though the Spirit of God, is prompting you on the inside. Amen. See, that's what happens to a lot of people. We get caught up and we start thinking, and then next thing you know, we're talking, and we get caught up with making accusation toward people. When the whole time the Spirit of God is saying, Shut your mouth, shut your mouth, because what happens now, the same judgment that is on anybody else in the world, and it even says the ruler of this world, and you know he the word even says that he, you know, he, he's referred to as the ruler of this world, the God of this age. Okay, in other words, the same judgment that's on him now comes on you because you wouldn't follow the prompting or the leading of the Spirit of God. All right. So this is the importance of conviction. All right. Operating with conviction. All right. All right. Now I I, I just uh, you know thought you, know, you take a look at all this. The Spirit of God's there to help you in all these things. Now, okay, let's, let's do this. We're going, to take, we're going to kind of shift gears here, and uh, we're going to go to Romans 8. Go to Romans 8, all right? Have I ever told you how much I love Romans 8? Amen. I'm just about, you know, I think I've said it every time. I could just about, in every message I ever preach, I bet you I can find me a verse in Romans 8 that would, that would uh, confirm what I'm saying, you know. And this is definitely one of those things, okay? Now, this is what I'm going to do. I am going to kind of do my best here to give you uh, the difference between a thing called conviction and condemnation. All right? Now, we don't want to confuse the enemy's condemnation with the Spirit's conviction. All right, because there's two different things here, and they're on two ends of the spectrum. All right. So, verse 1 of Romans 8 says, There is therefore now no condemnation. Now, you have to understand, condemnation pushes an individual down. Okay, it means, literally means an adverse sentence. Okay, a judgment on. Okay, and, that, and that's, it means a harsh judgment. So condemnation is is there. The enemy has has uh, uh, you know that's kind of one of his tools. Okay, he uses condemnation to push a believer down, whereas conviction, okay, by the Spirit, is to lift somebody up. That's why it's it's part of your help. It's part of uh, it, part of your advantage, because the, when the Spirit of God's working something in you, it's there to lift you up. It's there to bring you higher it's there to see to it that you amen you do what's right that you have the right character in the situation that you make the right judgment call in this situation but condemnation's there to to put its you know just you know basically to let the enemy put his thumb on you and hold you down so he said this there's therefore now no amen now he said now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus all right so if you're in Christ you don't need to yield to condemnation. Now, it goes on to say, who do not walk according to, all right, according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. And what it means is that you're, you're living according, your, your, in other words, you're your spirit walking, not flesh walking. So he's saying that you, you've already made the decision, I'm not going to live by the flesh or by the natural, I'm going to live by the spirit. So that's what he's talking about, okay? Now, granted... Because uh, sometimes I'll read that and say, well, if you, you know, if you live by the flesh, then here comes condemnation. Well, it, yeah, the op- there's an open door for it. There's no doubt about it. But we all make mistakes. But you have to understand that you're not to yield to condemnation ever. You're to yield to conviction. Okay, now get this. Condemnation. All right. According to the flesh here, let's just define that real quick. It just means by the tendencies of, of the natural Uh, uh, living by human nature it means and it's not just talking about moral depravity and immorality but in other words the the tendencies to live by the natural live by uh, your own strength or your own abilities, your own power. Remember we don't live by that we live by the Spirit of God. So then he says but we live by according to the Spirit which is of course His nature, His strength, His power, His ability. All right? So anyway, keep that in mind, all right? Now, let's go to the end, toward the end of Romans 8. And um, I kind of, you know, get in this. I want to kind of back up and read a bunch of this. But I, let's just read verse 33. It says, who shall bring a charge against God's elect? Okay, who's going to bring, uh, literally, who's going to bring, uh, you know, a charge against And again, to bring down, right, opposition, some form of judgment, okay, adverse sentence. Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? He's asking the question, who who shall bring a charge against God's elect? He said, well, it is God who justifies. Okay, it's God who justifies. It's God who makes uh, you right. It's God who justifies you, all right? So the enemy's trying to push you down, but it's God who's trying to lift you up. Now listen, verse 34, who is he who condemns? It's a question. Well, it ain't God. It is Christ who died and furthermore is also risen, who is even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession uh, for us. Amen. Of course, then it goes on. Who's going to separate you from the, the love of God? Um, you know, who's going to separate you from the love of Christ? Who, 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 who could do that? Well, if you yield to condemnation, you yield to what the enemy's trying to bring, it could happen. But if you yield to the Spirit of God, the one who justifies, The one who paid a price for you. That's what he's saying in that text. He's the one that died for you. He's the one that paid the price. So the point being, okay, again, just saying it another way, the Spirit of God, Jesus said, it's better that I go because it's to your advantage that if I go, I'll send you a helper. Now, this helper is going to be there to help you, okay, to bring conviction, okay, in your everyday walk okay, of sin, of righteousness, amen, of doing the right thing, right care, of, of judgment, amen, in other words, making the right uh, decisions every day, right judgment call, how you deal with people, how you communicate, uh, how, you, how you respond, how you, uh, you know, how you think of others. I mean, all of this fits into this, all right? But now when condemnation has, has given place, it brings you under. So now he's controlling you, the enemy now, is controlling you by a thing called condemnation because somewhere along the line you forgot who you were, you forgot what Jesus did. And that's what he's saying here in Romans 8. He says, listen, there's therefore now no condemnation. Okay, did you make a mistake? Yes. Well, let's get let's repent of it. Let's get behind, get yourself back in, in the things of God. But see what happens most time with, with condemnation, condemnation will paralyze you. Condemnation will cause you to not move forward. That's why the enemy uses it. But the Spirit of God will bring a sense of conviction, which will lift you up, not condemn you and put you down, but lift you up, amen, so you can move forward. So you're not paralyzed. Because everybody, somewhere along the line, has come up short. Somewhere along the line, you've made a mistake. Somewhere along the line, even, you've sinned, even. Okay, you knew you shouldn't have, and you did it. Okay, so what do you do? Well, first thing to do is repent, move, move toward God. Let the Spirit of God now uh, begin to show you something, begin to help you with this thing. And the more you do that, the more that conviction is, uh, begins, or, or I could say maybe you get more determined in who you are, you have more purpose about what you're about, where you're going, who you are, what you can do, what you should do, all this stuff. But if you let condemnation dictate, then what happens it'll paralyze you and shut you down you don't even move forward. And that's what the enemy wants. Now, I'm just trying to do is give you both sides of this. Okay, The Word even says in 1 John, uh, chapter three, I believe it is. Maybe I should turn there. First John chapter three. Now, I hope I'm not boring you today. I hope this is ministering to you. All right. Verse, let's go. First John three. Let's go to verse uh, twenty. It just says this. Or if our heart condemns us, I mean, sometimes your heart will condemn you, your own heart, but it's still, it's still going to be demonically inspired. But sometimes your own heart, I've seen people uh, uh, let their own heart condemn them. Okay, well, I, uh, I, I know I, I don't deserve this because I've done this. Well, you know, nobody knows you like you. And uh, it's just another tactic that the enemy tries to use to get your own heart to condemn you, because what's it going to do? It's going to paralyze you. It's going to shut you down. You won't move forward. But it says this. Now, get this. Somebody said, well, isn't that a good thing? Well, no, it says if your heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart and knows all things. Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, then what happens? Then we have confidence toward God. See, but if your heart is condemning you, now you don't have confidence toward God You think that God don't want nothing to do with you or God's done with you or God isn't going to do something for you or help you. But remember, God is greater than your heart and knows all things. So that's why even when you mess up, listen, we're not excusing sin. Well, I tell you, I I get on this because I I get I get a little bit aggravated uh, by um, by religiosity. All right. Um, I just I just. Old religion sometimes, it just, it hangs people. And this is how the enemy uses it, is to get, get you to see yourself as not doing what you should so your own heart starts condemning you so that way you don't move forward because you're too busy condemning yourself because you don't think you're deserving of this or deserving of that. But remember, Jesus paid a price. There was bloodshed. A price paid. There was a death, a burial, a resurrection. There was an ascension. And the idea was for him to go and sit down at the right hand of the Father, amen, and send the Helper, send the Holy Ghost. God knows more. He's greater than your heart, and he knows all things. So here you are now with a mistake made. The best thing you could do is go to the one who knows all things. So instead of being paralyzed, and shut down by a mistake or by a sin or by a wrong choice or a wrong action or a wrong heart condition, whatever whatever it is, you always go to God because He's the one that can help you, you know, by the Spirit of God, can help you in the midst of whatever it is you're dealing with. But see, condemnation will shut you down. Conviction will bring you up, praise God. You bet the Spirit of God might... might Bring something to your attention. Say, well, you know, when you yielded to that or when you gave heed to that or you listened to that, this is what happened. No doubt about it. In fact, let's, let's go to another text here. Let's go to uh, 2 Timothy, and maybe we'll close with this today. 2 Timothy. And uh, we're going to go to chapter, how about chapter 3? There's probably several different texts here we could use. Um, but I think this is a good one, because uh, you know, anytime you uh, um, you know talk about you know conviction and uh, and condemnation, uh, you know sometimes that all gets messed up because you got people on one end of the spectrum that are no matter what you do, no matter what happens, they're condemned, okay, and that ain't right. But then you got people over here that that when the spirit of God's trying to bring. Uh, instruction or a conviction about something, uh, they think they're being condemned, and they're not being condemned. They might just be being corrected, all right? So, let's look at that for a second, all right? So, I'm going to go to verse uh, 2 Timothy 3 and verse 14, says, but you must continue in the things which you've learned. Now, of course, this is Paul talking to Timothy or writing to Timothy. He says, you must continue, okay, that's key, because that's really what, what set Daniel... Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego apart was they continued with it. There was a lot of other people who were also um, taken captive, okay, like Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. But when they were taken captive, they gave up on some of their, uh, you know, they didn't continue in the Word. They didn't continue in prayer. They didn't continue in the things of God, okay, because of the situation, all right? But he's telling Timothy now, because Timothy has really got his back against the wall right now with everything that's going on, the pressure that's happening at the church. He says, but you must continue. And I just thought I'd put that in there. You must continue in the things which you've learned and been assured of, knowing from whom you've learned them, and that from childhood you have known. Here we go, the what? The Holy Scriptures, the Word, right? The Bible, the B-I-B-L-E. The Holy Scriptures, which are able, here we go, to make you wise, wise, for salvation, okay, Uh, just means uh, the full meal deal here, Uh, through faith, in other words, through faith um, in, in, in Christ, but faith also in what He said, right, through faith which is in Christ Jesus. And it says this, all Scripture, so we're talking about the Word, all right, this Word here was given by inspiration of God. In other words, God breathed, right, God breathed, It was given by inspiration of God, and it is, here we go, it is also profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, and it's how to live what's right, live this thing, so you can bear the fruits of it, amen. Why? Well, that the man of God or the woman of God may be complete and thoroughly equipped for every good work. All right, now the reason I brought that out the Spirit of God is always working. The Word of God is there to also instruct, help, teach. So, the more you spend in this Word, the more you spend in the presence of God, or I could say maybe in the Spirit of God, through prayer, communion, whatever, okay, um, the more you can do that, the more you're going to be instructed, the more there's going to be Reprove correction, no doubt about it. I mean, you know, part of what happens to me on a day-to-day basis isn't just, you know, all the the cool things that God's revealing to me about this or about that. Sometimes He says, you know, uh, I want to talk to you a bit about, you know, your heart condition about that situation. I want to talk to you about your attitude about this situation. Or I want to talk about what you said, uh, you know, uh, yesterday about this. Sometimes He brings, you know, starts instructing me, bringing a sense of reproof or correction about something. And to me, it's, it, you know, I welcome it. Okay, now, now granted, nobody really likes to be reproved, but the benefit of, of, of understanding when the Spirit of God or the Word of God begins to work something in you, amen, there's benefit of it. And of course, according to this text, it says it'll, it, it'll be, you'll be complete and thoroughly equipped for every good work. Well, that's pretty big stu- that's pretty good stuff. Now, so today, we're talking about, you know, the, you know, man named Daniel who, you know, had conviction. He not only had an a excellent spirit, he was a man of conviction, all right? Well, that ought to be said about you and me. That ought to be an example for us to follow that if we continue in our time with the Word, time in prayer, Time before God. Amen. That that conviction begins to rise. We become more determined. Amen. We become more anchored so that no matter what is said, no matter what goes on, no matter the ups and downs, the situations, amen, we remain true with conviction because the Spirit of God's there to help. The word of God's there to help. It's to our advantage. Amen. That if we follow that, yield to that, amen then we too will be complete and thoroughly equipped for every good work. Praise God. I hope you got something today. Praise the Lord. Father, I give praise and glory for this word today. Once again, thankful for the people of God that had an ear to hear and a heart to receive. And Father, I give you praise for a people with conviction, a people that live no compromise. Amen. They lean on the Spirit of God. They lean on the Word of God. They lean on you. Praise the Lord. And as they do, praise God, they live. Amen. They walk by the spirit living full complete and thoroughly equipped for every good work and for that we give you praise in Jesus name amen and amen thank you for joining us for this message we'd like to take this opportunity to encourage those listening from anywhere in central Oregon to join us Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. and Wednesday evenings at 7 p.m. for our regular services We understand that many do not have a home church, and we can't emphasize enough the importance of connecting with a church family. We'd be honored to meet you and spend time with you praising God.